Welcome to Brand Meet Creator Podcast with me, Harley Jordan, and Sonia Elise. A place where we pull back the curtain and the trashy filters on the influencer marketing industry. So pull up a chair and grab a notebook. It's time to shed some light on the ever-changing Instaverse. We have a brand episode today. Today, we're going to be chatting from the brand side giving you a behind the scenes of what happens when you are developing an influencer campaign. The reason that I want to talk about this is because I've had so many small brands slide into my DMs recently and say, what about me? So what about you? Let's, <laughs> let me, what let's about us, you? Let, let's give you some answers. How you can navigate this online space, how you can navigate influencer marketing as a small brand. So thank goodness I have my girl Sonia here who does <laughs> just this and is the best at this. So Sonia, first and foremost, when you are setting up an influencer campaign, what are three things that I need to be thinking from the get-go as a brand? Sure. As From the get-go, number one is, of course, going to be what's my total budget. Number two is going to be with that budget, what goals am I looking to achieve? And some of those goals might be traffic. Some might be awareness. It might be conversions. Uh, it might be email signups. Uh, perhaps it's just content content period, you know, it's just content production. Um, so what is that specific goal? And then lastly, like, what am I hoping an influencer is going to bring to the table? Um, am I looking for them to have their own specific eye? Do I really want their content and their stuff to like fit my content style? Sort of what does this look like? What am I in need of? Is, is it videos? Is it photos? Um, is it testimonials, stories, swipe up links? What is the content goal here? And like, what is it that I'm in need of at the end of this? Those are some of the starting points for sure. What is the biggest misconception there? Because I hear a lot of the time mm. that people don't even know where to start. They <sighs> hit the hit the budget mm -hmm. question and they're like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I think a good place to start, of course, with budget is like, what what can I afford, right? What can come out of my marketing mm -hmm. budget or my ads budget or my communication budget? Yeah. Everyone kind of siphons it a bit differently. And I do think that influencer marketing is unique where it's pulling from a little bit from every budget, right? It is content. It is sales. It is uh, marketing. It, it's like a little bit of everything. So that's one thing to start with is, you know, what can I realistically spend here? And I would definitely advise, especially as a small brand, it's okay to start small, but stay realistic with those goals. If you're saying I only have three to $5,000, I'm not going to find you 15 different influencers to fit right. within that, right? Um, and realistically, how many are you really mm -hmm. looking at? Exactly. So if it's one a month or two a month, that's fine. It's a nice, slow, easy start. But then you know that the the KPIs and the ROI of what you're doing is going to be slower, right? Because if I'm only activating one or two people a month, I'm not going to see a huge influx and change in what's happening on my website and sales. Like that's, right. you're starting very slow. So I think being realistic and not saying, well, I'm not seeing results after three months, I'm out. Well, uh, I mean, it's very obvious why you're not seeing results after three months. You're not spending enough to see results after I three know months. That I know that you have a rule of thumb with 
ad budgets too, where you say, if you're not spending, you know, if you're not ready to spend $500 for the next six months, then it's not the right time to get into ads. Do you have a rule of thumb like that for influencer marketing? Um, I've never set one because I do think that people can do like a combination. Like some of my smaller brands that are doing an affiliate network, they have mm-hmm. sort of like a bump up level where they're doing paid that is closer to three or $5,000 a month. I think when you're mm-hmm. out of that range and you're ready to start getting serious about influencer marketing, I don't really see a huge impact happening on your business under $10,000 a month. Mm-hmm. That's not to say and scare anyone who's like, oh my God, $10,000 a month is so much money. Yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot of money, um, but you can do select other things. We're just talking about what's going to have a significant impact on your business. So if you're running other marketing campaigns that cost money, paid ads, for example, or SMS marketing or giveaways or something else that's costing you money as well, in addition to a small influencer budget, that might be a combined impact on your business. But if you're really looking to just say, I'm turning to influencers to drive this brand, I would say 10,000 a month and up is where you're going to be looking. What's your biggest trick of the trade to save money and be a Mm -hmm. little bit more, more stingy with the, with the budget. My biggest trick of the trade is not to ask for a single post from people. Um, it's to ask for a longer partnership. Um, so look at things and from a quarterly perspective at the very least. So I'd like Mm -hmm. to hire you for the next three or four months to produce this amount of content, post this amount of times, give me this amount of reviews with this type of usage. Typically, yes, it's going to retrieve a higher number, but I think people are more willing to negotiate down 20, 25% from there because they know they are getting that larger lump sum and more likely they're going to be able to shoot everything um, really easily and maybe in one swipe they're learning a lot about your brand and being integrated into the brand and using yeah. it multiple times. So it feels more natural. Um, I think that's my biggest thing, both strategically and from a cost perspective that I would advise brands is to really look at things as people that you're casting quarterly. Um, and we also find then, you know, we find some real winners that we want to use the rest of the year. I was just, I was just talking about this within like a negotiation workshop and how, even if my rate is really low per per piece of content, it's not mm-hmm. the content that I'm trying to cover. That's not the bulk of the time that I'm going to be spending working with this brand. It's the like idea phase. It's the contracting. It's the invoicing. It's everything else, like the delivering the analytics, the review phase. All of this back and forth is really what's spending what I'm spending time on. So even if each thing is you know, a 50% mark off, if I'm doing two of them, I've now covered my time in that efficiency. So I I love that, that you're saying that too. Cause I mean, not only are you getting the best bang for your buck in terms of people are going to start to know, like, and trust your brand now, and this influencer is going to be grateful, but you are creating this, this partnership where they don't feel like they're being taken advantage of. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I, I understand not that does that system doesn't work for everyone because 
maybe you've never worked with this influencer before, you know, you're not sure what they're going to be able to produce or how many clicks they're going to be able to get you. Um, I think that in that case, make sure to be asking for analytics from previous partnerships that are like-minded to what you were trying to achieve. Mm. So if the goal is to like use a code at checkout or to click a link and end up on a landing page, then you really need to make sure that you ask for analytics from previous partnerships that are similar to that. So you have some sort of basis for where this person is going to go, or you start at, you know, a gifting phase, or you start at something that is a little bit more entry level, um, and then you recast people from there. So into this scouting, what what are some of these big red flags or big mistakes that you see brands making in scouting? Generalized outreach, for sure. Um, Outreach that already has a number in it. I'm always confused by that. Um, I think, you know, if influencers are ready to set their own rates, like, let me give you the scope of work and then tell me the rate. (laughs) Don't go in saying, like, I've decided your worth is X, Y, and Z for this thing. That seems very silly to me. Definitely DMs. I think having bots or assistants or whomever else start sub accounts under your account on Instagram or I guess maybe Ah. TikTok as well and DMing people. We'd love to cast you. Uh, That's awful. I think whenever you ask the influencer to do something first – so if I DM Harley uh-huh. and I'm like, I'm interested in you, could you email me? I'm like, no. Email what? me. No. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. They need to be emailing you. You know what the other thing that I've seen is I've seen um, brands that don't want to move out of DMs. And I'll say, here, let's let's continue mm. this conversation via email. And they say, well, okay, I guess. I'm like, mm. now I don't want to work with you at all. <laughs> Yeah, I think that is pretty strange when people don't have an instant funnel over to email. Um, We only go to DM when someone hasn't responded to their email. Uh, You know, if we've sent the email offer or the email something, and yeah. Or if you don't have an email. Only reason. Oh, God. If you don't have an email, I I can't even like put you on my list at this point. I'm just too exhausted trying to find out how to contact people. (laughs) Quick tangent. Email in your bio, email in the email button exclusively. I don't think that email either in one, the link it's not bio. a hard and fast rule. <laughs> I think as long as one of those is happening, because we are, of course, going to do a scan once on the web version and on the app version. And so in, within those two scans, I'm going to quickly be able to access one of those things. But I would prefer either, especially if you are an emerging creator without someone who reps you, definitely then it needs to be so easy to email you. I would say the button or the uh, in bio would be my top two when you're really first growing. I'm also fine with in the link in bio. Link in bio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially if there's like a call to action that's like, partnerships link in bio or like whatever something um partnerships and other opportunities link in bio or something somewhere that makes it not so mysterious on like how to get in touch with you unless you really don't want partnerships then fine (laughs) be a ghost so you mentioned at the very beginning that we're looking at traffic awareness conversion there's there's various things brand awareness all of these things that you can be aiming your gearing your influencer marketing campaign towards 
How do you go about setting up a campaign that has those things in mind? Mm, okay, so you have to think about customer behavior. And I think this is a big part of like why brands hire us. Number one, they might be thinking they have a goal in mind, but they're not totally sure how to accomplish that through influencer marketing. So for example, if I have a brand who's saying, okay, the next six months is all about awareness for me, capturing people's emails and just like getting as much traffic as possible. What would you do for a campaign that supports that? So then I need to think like, what gets people to click over to someone's website? What sends people traffic? Um, and then I build the campaign based off of that. So for me, that's a lot more Instagram stories than it is actual posting content, right? Because I can't hyperlink from a post. So for me, that's multiple rounds of Instagram stories with button links on each story or something to that effect. Perhaps those people are getting like a discount code. They may not check out, but I think even just knowing you have the discount code sends you to search for more stuff anyway, right. which captures, you know, their, their data. So that's sort of what I am telling brands. It's like, I need to think about the consumer behavior as to why I would do your end goal. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the way I think about it. I, I hear this very often where I'll start to open up a conversation with a brand and they'll say, well, I have all of those goals. I want everything. And I'm like, "Mm, doesn't work that way. So what do you do with that kind of response? I say the same thing. doesn't work that way. We have to tackle one at a time because everything can only have one end goal. There may be sub goals or there may be outlier effects that happen that attach to those goals, but we need to tackle it one thing at a time. Every brand has every goal, right? They all want more traffic. They all want more awareness. We all want more conversions. However, when you're talking about working with an influencer, they can't do all of that with one piece of content. We need to create excitement or build, you know, trust or do whatever, communicate a a point about the product. We can't necessarily hit all of those things and entertain and it be on brand and all of these things. Like, it's just not going to be feasible for the influencer to achieve that for you. So I would say... Also, you have to think about marketing from a strategic point of view, right? No one converts right off the bat. So if this is your first influencer marketing campaign that's serious with a big spend, you need to know the conversions are probably going to be low because this is your first time attacking the market. Mm -hmm. After that, after you start to build trust, when you start to reuse some of the same people, they see their followers see that they are reusing the product, that they're working with the brand again, it's more likely that the conversions will go up. But it's not going to happen right off the bat, which is, again, why people work with us, because we're really adjusting their perspective um, and helping them align better with the goals that are actually possible, as opposed to feeding them something that we're like, yeah, no problem. We can do it, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, they're like, wait, I'm not seeing any sales. Like, what happened? (laughs) So we try to be very realistic at the beginning. So let's say you have a budget of five grand per month and you are looking to do let's make this tricky you're looking to do a combination of those things what would be the deliverables that you would aim towards what do you want from influencers specifically I would say that we want them to highlight the product in a good and educating way probably first and foremost so most likely they're creating a reel 
that goes through uh, some product points, right? Because if you're at the very beginning of the, that monthly 5K, it's about educating on like what this even is and why the influencer quote unquote likes it, why they use it, why are they promoting it? Um, so that you would know, be the I first thing. I think this thing. is very interesting that you say this from, from the get-go because <laughs> your reels are not going to be your big drive home sales metric. And I think what you really mm. highlighted by saying that was you need the brand awareness. We need to understand like who you are as a brand before we ever click buy. Agree, which is why I think that influencer marketing and paid ads need to go closer hand in hand, which is why we offer both. Because to me, the best content from influencers that is awareness should be converted into ads that are asking people to purchase the product. Right. To rely on just the influencer's traffic and exposure to do both is absolutely insane. We all know and complain all the time that we're not getting enough reach. We're not getting enough conversions. Right. Well, it's because they want you to spend on ads. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it makes sense as to why you would put that hand in hand, which is why the strongest strategies that we have for influencer marketing, we're contracting the influencers to create content that does engage the audience. And then we are amplifying that content through whatever form of advertising um, right. to get them to convert. So you say start content. with a reel, give me 60 days whitelisting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't even have to be whitelisting. It could definitely be whitelisting or just paid ad usage. I would definitely say stories, always stories to promote the day that a post goes live and potentially a second round to like re-remind people if they didn't see those stories. Uh Normally the stories are more first person talking, showing the item, you know, things that maybe didn't fit into the reel originally. One thing that I'm seeing a lot lately is a four to five slide story set and then a two slide follow up at the end of the week. I think that's totally feasible, um, especially knowing that not everything gets as much traction as you'd like it to the mm-hmm. first time. I don't see a problem why including it um, is an issue. Also, I just think as like a good influencer partner, if you spent all this time creating the content paid and you post it and you do the stories and whatever else, like at the end of the week, it's almost like why wouldn't you reshare that to stories? It costs you like nothing. You do, it's zero time. It's just like, hey, reminder, like I partnered with this great brand and I loved it. Watch it here. Um, but the amount of times I've gotten into fights with management or influencers when I'm saying like, okay, we want three original stories to promote the product and then they need to share the reel into stories and they want to charge me extra for sharing the reel into stories. And I'm like, I, but you already created it. That's not a... That's not a creation point. It's literally just making sure that the reel does well. It's giving it the best chance possible. I think it's very interesting that you include that in your contracts. I include everything in the contract. I know. (laughs) I know. You're so purposeful with all of this. What else has been a you Mm. live in your you learn moment for we need to include this? Mm. Uh, I think a huge turning point was about three or three years ago, four years ago, when we did first start using influencer content directly for ads, we would wait and get the content back and they had been through the whole contract and then the client would want to use it for ads and we'd follow up for the rate. 
oh man, the amount of times we got screwed by influencers <laughs> or managers saying like, oh sure. And it would be like the same amount as creating the content the first time was the usage. And I was like, oh, it's a, a 100% of fee is what you're telling me. So that was a huge live and learn that I would recommend for anybody who's contracting. Ask for the ads usage rate upfront, agree on it upfront, put it in contract have that ready to go. If you use it, wonderful. You already know what the budget is going to be per 30 days. If you don't, then fine. Um, but at least you're not getting like price gouged <laughs> later on. Another one is round of edits. Always put the number of round of edits. Um, uh. and yeah, and that they need to follow the brief. And I always put, some people will edit this, which I understand, but I always say like the reshoot is at the client's discretion. If you did not follow the brief, because the brief that we provide is extremely detailed. I have heard other brands or other partners do not offer a detailed brief, which would be understanding as to why freedom, an influencer would be. For all. Yeah. Yeah. Never sign something that it's like, you can do whatever you want. You're like, no, you probably can. Yeah, they think brands. you can, but you can't. So <laughs> brands, this is your lesson. Don't give me creative freedom. It doesn't help. No. <laughs> Give me your messaging that I can tweak slightly to appeal mm -hmm. to my audience and how I speak, but I want yes. to know exactly what you want. <laughs> exactly. And we are very specific when we offer creative flexibility for people, but we have to see if, if, if it includes a post, I'm seeing the caption. The stories need to have the writing on them in advance that I approve. The reel needs to be provided with text, without text, with music that you're going to post, and with royalty-free music. If I know I'm using it in ads, I also ask them to cut for four by five, uh, just in case the ad is being serviced somewhere else. So let's back up to this royalty-free music piece. Mm. Mm -hmm. Do you do you ask for royalty-free music just for the ads and allow them to post the content with whatever music they want? Yes. Mm -hmm. oh. Well, it's twofold. One, if they're posting on their own, they can post with whatever music that they want. Within reason, we did learn the hard way on TikTok to pre-screen the music because it got a little bit aggressive in, in nature, some of the lyrics. <laughs> um, but for the most part, they are allowed to post it with whatever trending music that they like. We use the royalty-free music, yes, for ads, um, but also on the brand side. The brand has limited access to music. Um, right, so when right. they go to post on there and, you know, it's easier if it already has royalty free on it. Yeah. I mean, I just tend to make it with royalty free and I'm like, mm, great, done. <laughs> I will search the libraries for you. <laughs> Makes my life easier. Yeah. I'd rather just post it with sure. royalty free. Jeez. Oh, there's so many little things like that. Okay, so we've created our campaign. We've determined what we're really looking for, a budget that makes sense. We're trying to build something that is a couple months long, not just, you know, a one and done post. Now we get into campaign is done. We need to look at the analytics. We need to look at the reporting. Now what? What can we glean from the analytics? So one thing we did learn the hard way, backtracking on analytics and what we had to learn the hard way to put into our contracts is that people will finish the whole partnership and then completely ghost 
when it comes to their analytics. And they would send an invoice and everything else. Oh, yeah, analytics are coming. We'd never hear from them, which completely screws us and our reporting and like the whole reason why we're hired. So we now have a clause that says if you don't provide the analytics within five business days, your invoice will never be processed. End of story. That is part of the partnership. That is part of the deliverables. If you don't provide them, I will not pay you for the work. (laughs) So um, that was a huge one. But on the brand side, when it comes to reviewing the analytics, we're looking at, of course, any metric that we can to gauge success. How many people saved the content? How many people shared the content? Of course, link clicks if there are those available. Um, how many people use the code on the brand side? Did they see sp- spikes in traffic on those days? We're trying to infer any sort of increase in views during that day. Yeah. So we're looking at as much as humanly possible. And my favorite people, of course, provide their analytics. I would say a safe time is three days after. Sometimes it's closer to five days and that's totally fine as well. Is this for like a reel? This is for anything. I think a reel like three days um, is giving it enough time. Now I know reels are picking up a little bit later sometimes, but... Yeah, I, I feel like I'm seeing predominantly seven days is the request time. Seven days after the reel and then 24 after the story, obviously. Yeah. 24 hours. Um, I think I think seven is completely fine. Um, we had somebody ask for 10 the other day. That's fine. I think that gives people plenty of time to like get what they need out of it and at least give us like an idea. Now, of course, if for some reason like the music you used or something happens and it starts to like spike way after the partnership, I would flag as a good partner and be like, hey, just so you know, this is like now getting a lot of pickup. Or um, I had a girl say, oh, I ended up getting a lot of questions after I posted the partnership about X, Y, and Z. Could you offer more clarity so I can like respond correctly? Right. I thought that was really nice. So yeah, I think that a good partnership doesn't end like at the end date uh, directly always. But what analytics you know. do you want to see? Just screenshots of the of yeah. the, that singular page? Do you want to see like reach metrics? Do you want to see comments? Do you want to see? I th- we ask for everything. We ask for everything. So anything that the influencer can see, we want to see it essentially, as detailed as humanly possible. So how do you take this data to determine if this was successful, number one, and two, if you want to work with this creator again? So we compile all the data at the end into one master Excel. Of course, we're looking at the creators next to each other that we casted. So if it is a one-month partnership or a three-month partnership and we casted seven influencers, we want to see all their analytics next to each other. That does help us gauge who was successful and who was not. And I also would never say like an influencer was not successful. It might just be like, this is not the right partner for us. Because again, like influencers only have so much control over what happens. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's no such thing as not being successful. Everything teaches us something. And sometimes it's just the way that they created the content maybe was a little bit different than somebody else. And the other version really resonated with people better. Yeah, it goes back to our point about it's not your rate is too high. It's we don't have the budget at this time. Those little language tweaks matter. 100%. 100%. It's it's so much perspective. So 
once that is done in terms of rehiring, of course, we're looking at the metrics of, you know, how much were they versus what type of outcome did we get? And then also ease of working together is a huge one for right. me. Um, I do think that many people who are easy to work with, I really fight with to work again, unless for some reason the metrics were so off from what we had hoped for that there's just not, you know, the client's just not interested in working together again. But if there is an opportunity even for another client, and I know that they were easy to work with, I'll do it. <laughs> I will find a way to make it happen. So one of the one of the things I hear often is I had a bad experience because I just feel like I didn't know what to look for in influencers or I liked their vibe. And then I realized that they don't produce high numbers, like they don't convert or something like that. How do you handle that? Well, a few different ways. One is we look at like, was their content maybe just not aligned with what the client really wanted? Like, were we trying to kind of force a, what do they say, a round peg into a square hole or a square peg into a round yep. hole? Like, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you want a certain thing from a certain type of creator and it's just like not their vibe. It's like they don't speak to the camera. They don't do that much motion. They're much more aesthetic. So I think being, again, like creative freedom is not a thing, but creative flexibility is. So if someone comes to you and says, you know, that's just not the way that I do it, or if you don't review their content clearly before, then, you know, the outcome could really be partially your fault that you force them into it. It's also the fault of the creator, though, because as a creator, you need to know your strengths. And if someone is saying, I want you to voice over X, Y, and Z, and you know voiceover is not your jam, but you get nervous, whatever else, then you need to really push back and say, I'm happy to put bullet points on top of the text or on top of the video or X, Y, and Z options. But honestly, I don't feel comfortable with voiceover for my audience um, and take it from there. So it's, it's sort of both. It's in, it's in both camps, 100%. Definitely. Definitely. That your vibe of the video, it has to match because if you throw mm -hmm. something creative, that's a great product, mm -hmm. but it's not your vibe out of left yeah. field, your audience is not going to recognize mm -hmm. you. You know, they're not going to know who you are. We see, so, we see too much content every day. Yes. And I would say if you are a brand or an influencer that's going into a partnership with there's some sort of metric that you have to hit in order to get paid, mm -hmm. don't do it. Like that is not a good opportunity for anybody. It's like a, a show, a sign of force. If you're saying mm -hmm. like, well, we'll pay you, but it has to hit 1000 views or it has to hit X amount of views. Like Ugh. you have no idea. What if Instagram glitches on the day that you post? What if there yeah. is a major, you know, national emergency, what if like, you have no idea, right. it's not within your control. So I would definitely be wary of any partnership and brands, I would not create a partnership that whose outcome is based off of like the pay like that is very, very strange, or even bonuses. Like, on TikTok, this is a little bit more common from what I've the heard. The clause. Exactly. Yeah. Like if it hits a certain amount of views that you would get additional money up until X, Y, and Z, right. okay, maybe makes a little bit more sense on TikTok as long as the base fee is it's still a base fee standard. that is close yeah. to, yeah, it's still close to like what you're looking for, then fine. Right. 
So wrap up thoughts. Let's wrap this up. Bring this home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give me your takeaways. My takeaways are if you are new to the influencer marketing world, do really try hard to find someone with more experience that can build for you. Because I do think so many reasons why small brands have a bad taste in their mouth about influencer marketing is because they weren't properly educated about what the process was going to be prior. You know, for someone like us, and I'm not saying I'm the right partner for everybody, but we do offer just like 30 minute consulting, an hour consulting where we can look at a plan and tell you like, yes, this is going to go well. No, don't do that. Because execution does get expensive. Influencer marketing partially is expensive because it is a lot of hand done labor. And while there are platforms that you can get on and you can sort of try to ease how heavy the burden is, the best campaigns are done by hand. They're done by relationship. They're done by people who are really strategic. So I would say, you know, gauge your feelings towards influencer marketing based off of the experience that you're having and take things with a grain of salt when it's really early on because... Trust me, as you get bigger and as you spend more and as you can work with better partners who can help you align better, the outcomes are much better. So it's it's not always going to be the $100 posts that you're doing right now are not, you know, getting you the results that you want. Like later on down the road, when you can build a bigger partnership that has more impact, like you'll be much happier with the results. Yes, exactly. I think what you've really laid out so well is the detail involved like from the get-go we know we have a goal we know we have this business goal to hit that we're aiming towards we are very purposefully scouting building a brief looking at these analytics looking how it relates to our website traction and our our traffic and we're going through each piece as an operation, not as a, I'm throwing shit at the fan and booking every influencer that, you know, has a pretty picture. There is so much more than that. So I think what I want my takeaway for my influencers to be is keep all of this in mind. Think about how you can help be that strategic mind and that marketing whiz behind your own platform. Because if you know what hits, you know what converts, you know what your audience likes, find that out, figure that out. So you can go back to the brand and be the expert here. I think that's a great tip. And there's nothing I love more than someone who seems involved in their business and who can turn around and say, this partnership seems great. I like the brand a lot. The ask is not exactly aligned with what's going to be successful for me. This is what would be successful. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to do it? Right. Don't be afraid because if a brand says no, they're not willing to, they're setting you up to fail. Like if they literally shut you down at that point, they say, no, we only want this thing. Like they're setting you up to fail, which means like this isn't a good partnership for you anyway. Um, we will always take back a request from an influencer back to the client. Sometimes I have full autonomy and I can say yes or no right then and there. Other times we have to negotiate with the client and say like, hey, we really think that this is going to do better. What do you think? Um, but for the most part, we are always willing to try to shift the scope of work in some way to better fit what's going to reach success. Right. And that's that's key. I had an influencer 
recently uh, Voxer me as she was creating campaign content, mm. uh, mm-hmm. sponsored content. And she was like, Harley, I don't know what to do. I feel like I do this all the time and I don't know why I'm stuck. <laughs> like this doesn't, just doesn't feel like me. And I was mm-hmm. like, girlfriend, no, here's what you're going to do. I don't know why you're trying to speak to the camera because you always create it this way with these picture slides. You make it so branded and cute and like, that's totally you. And she did that. And you know what? They had so much conversion that within 24 hours, they immediately said, let's book again in. <laughs> That's in great. So Amazing. nail on the head, nail on the head. Um, <laughs> so if you are feeling stuck as a brand, hello, go find Sonia, chat it through. This is, this is a bigger shebang that you're diving into than, <laughs> than I want the pretty influencer. <laughs> Let me help you before you have a breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We will catch you next time on Brand Meet Creator. If you have anything that you want us to dive into deeper, come find us on Instagram or TikTok and let us know what you want to see.